from the east coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina. Welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening, and welcome to Dark Reality. Tonight, we'll be talking about the Entity. It's a novel of a true story by D. Paletas and the resulting movie are supposedly loosely based on a real life experience of Doris Bither who lived in California shortly after moving into 11547 Braddock Drive in Culver City, West Los Angeles. Doris heard a knock. She opened the front door to find an old Hispanic lady who warned her that her house was an evil dwelling. The lady turned out and then turned left ever to return. Following this incident, Doris experienced a series of violent attacks from an invisible force. A single mother of four was reportedly beaten and raped by three entities two smaller ones that held her down while the bigger one sexually assaulted her. These entities would terrorize Doris and her family, throwing furniture, pots and pans, and physically striking Doris and her children. In 1974, Bither decided to do something about the otherworldly terrorism when she overheard two men in the bookstore speaking of paranormal activities. She introduced herself to the men and confided what had been happening to her. Those men were Dr. Barry Taft, and Dr. Carrie Gaymore, both students studying parapsychology at UCLA. On August 22nd, 1974, Taft and Gaynor visited the Bitha residence to interview Doris and conduct research 
on what might be happening over the next few months the researchers claim to witness spectacles like unnatural light shows and poltergeist activity they eventually called in Frank D. Valletta, who arrived with a filmmaker friend to try to capture the phenomenon on film. These events would become the subject of De La Feta's novel with a few embellishments here and there. What actually transpired in the notorious house is still the source of mystery and debate. It seems that Doris Bither had a very turbulent upbringing throughout her teenage years. And it has been suggested she started dabbling with Ouija boards at an impressionable age. It is thought she claimed to have experienced some form of supernatural phenomenon before moving into the Culver City home. We know her three sons and one daughter were all by different fathers. She was known to be a heavy drinker. Other than that, her age, family, partners, or even children's names are a complete mystery. Researching Doris Bither turned up one controversy story after another. There are few photographs available. The most famous of these depict an arc of light above her head with her face obscured by her hands. There also exists a set of Polaroid photos that were taken by the investigators when Bither indicated to them that the entity was directly in front of her face. The Polaroids show her body, but an orb of light masked her features. The only photograph of Doris Bither this writer dug up is the one included in this article. which was taken right after the previous mentioned pictures at a time when the entity was supposedly no longer present. A scratch across the last photo presumably caused when it was ejected from the camera 
gives it a haunting quality that only adds to the mystery. The fact that Doris's eyes are closed creates even a more distant and detachment between her and the viewer. If UCLA students were earnestly conducting such a serious and exciting investigation, you would expect there to be more evidence and records of their findings. Surely such a case would have been heavily documented with not only photographs but recorded interviews as well as video footage. All this technology would have been available during the summer of 1974. A case in point, just a few years later, in England between 1977 and 1979, there is an extremely well-documented case of the Enfield poltergeist, which is subject of a Hollywood blockbuster movie directed by James Wan. The Conjuring 2. It's rumored that Wan is gearing up for a film reboot of the entity to terrorize a new generation. The Enfield case is supported by photographs, recordings, and numerous documentaries which actually interview the victims up to as recent as 2014. With the Doris Bither case, there is no such evidence, barely a clue for a case frequently labeled the most celebrated in U.S. supernatural history. It is odd that more hard evidence isn't available to support what allegedly happened in the Braddock Drive house. What happened to Doris Bither after leaving the Braddock Drive residence is a further collection of vague stories and rumors that have her moving from San Bernardino to Texas and then back again to San Bernardino. At one point, Bither reported getting pregnant by the entity as time passed, the occurrences subsided, and so apparently did Miss Mrs. Bither's communication skills. Author Valita stopped hearing from her in the early 90s, and by all accounts, 
she seemed to vanish from existence. Even paranormal expert Barry Taft, who allegedly kept in contact with her, was unsure of her whereabouts. In another strange twist of events, Javar Ortega, who writes for the website Ghost Theory, and was working on an upcoming book about the Bither case, conducted an interview with a man named Brian Harris, claimed to be Bither's middle son. It seems Mr. Harris had been posting messages online forums related to the case and offering his version of events. Mr. Harris wanted to set the record straight about some of the claims made by Barry Taft about his mother being an abrasive alcoholic. The interview with Harris is also vague. At no point does he point us towards a satisfactory answer to what became of Doris. Harris said his mother died in 1995 of pulmonary arrest. Though there is no or few sources to state she died in 1999, researching his fascinating case has raised more questions than answers. It isn't over as far as the writers are concerned. It will be interesting to learn what other buried secrets will be discovered as the public's voracious appetite for the supernatural and interest in this legend demands that we will continue to dig and explore. If you're out there somewhere, Miss Bither, we're hoping you materialize. We want to talk to you. Just give us a sign. The next story. Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey has been called the sleeping prophet the father of holistic medicine and the most documented psychic of the 20th century. For more than 40 years of his adult life, Casey gave psychic readings to thousands of seekers while in an unconscious state. Diagnosing illnesses and revealing lives lived in past or prophecies yet to come. But who exactly was Edgar Casey? Casey was born on a farm in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, in 1877, and his psychic abilities began to appear as early as his childhood. 
he was able to see and talk to his late grandfather's spirit and often played with imaginary friends whom he said were spirits on the other side. He also displayed an uncanny ability to memorize the pages of a book simply by sleeping on it. These gifts labeled the young Casey as strange, but all Casey really wanted was to help others, especially children. Later in life, Casey would find that he had the ability to put himself into a sleep-like state by lying down on a couch, closing his eyes and folding his hands over his stomach. In this state of relaxation and meditation, he was able to place his mind in contact with the time and space of the universe. a universal consciousness, also known as the super-conscious mind. From there, he could respond to questions as broad as, what are the secrets of the universe, and what is my purpose in life, to as specific as, what can I do to help my arthritis, and how are the pyramids of Egypt built? His responses to these questions came to be called readings, and their insights offer practical help and advice to individuals even today. Many people are surprised to learn that Edgar Casey was a devout churchgoer and Sunday school teacher. At a young age, Casey vowed to read the Bible for every year of his life. And at the time of his death in 1945, he had accomplished this task. Perhaps the reading said it best when asked how to become a psychic. Casey's advice was to become more spiritual. Although Casey lived or died more than 60 years ago, the timeless of the material in his readings with subjects like discovering your mission in life developing your intuition, exploring ancient mysteries, and talking and taking responsibility for your health is evidenced by the hundreds of books that he has written on the various subjects of his work, as well as the dozens or so titles of focusing on Casey's life itself. Together, these books contain information so valuable that even Edgar Casey himself might have hesitated 
to predict their impact on the contemporary world. In 1945, the year of his passing, who could have known that terms such as meditation, spiritual growth, auroras, soulmates, and hostilic health would become household words. The majority of Edgar Cayce's readings deal with holistic health and the treatment of illness, as well was at the time Cayce was giving readings still today. Individuals from all walks of life and beliefs receive physical relief from illnesses or ailments through information given in his readings. Some readings were even given as far back as a hundred years ago. Yet, although best known for the material, the sleeping Casey did not seem to be limited to concerns about the physical body. In fact, in their entirety, the readings discussed an astonishing 10,000 different topics. This vast array of subject matter can be narrowed down into a smaller group of topics that even when compiled together deal with the following five categories. Health-related information, philosophy and reincarnation, dreams and dreams interpretation, ESP, and physic and psychic phenomenon, spiritual growth, meditation and prayer. Further details of Casey's life and work are explored in the classic book called There is a River, 1942 by Thomas Sergrew, available in hardback, paperback, and audiobook versions. Members of Edgar Cayce's Association for Research and Enlightenment, the nonprofit foundation by Cayce in 1931, have access to an entire set of 1,400, 306 readings in a database residing online in our members only section. The readings can also be find, found in their entirety in our physical library located in the visitor center second floor at the headquarters campus in Virginia Beach which is open to the public daily I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Dark Reality. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave me a message. Let me know what you think. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>